Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 175 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. On today's episode, I have the lovely pleasure of chatting with Keisha from Done With Debauchery podcast. We talk all about her sobriety journey and how she identifies her relationship with alcohol. If you're Cali sober or want to learn more about what Cali sober even is, keep listening. We also talk about how her upbringing impacted her relationship with alcohol as well. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. At a Sober Girl's Guide, we got your back, and so does Exact Nature. Their safe, all-natural CBD-based products are specially formulated to help you face the unique challenges of getting and staying sober. Whether it's curbing those cravings, wrangling in those changes in moods, or helping you get a better night's sleep. To learn more about their products and commitment to helping you in your recovery, visit exactnature.com. What I love about Exact Nature is they are produced and formulated by people who are in recovery themselves. It is 100% safe and natural to your recovery journey. Head to exactnature.com and use discount code SOBERGIRL20 for 20% off your order. Keisha, what is going on? How are you? Hi, Hi, I'm good. I'm so excited to be with you today. Yes. Oh my God. What a small little uh, Canadian world we live. (laughs) I know. And it's so funny. Like, I feel like when you reached out to me on Instagram, I had such a fangirl moment because your (laughs) podcast was actually the first one that I listened to when I was thinking about getting sober and just cutting alcohol out of my life. Oh, no way. That's yeah, so awesome. Yeah. So it kind of means a lot to be here with you. Oh, <laughs> that's so great. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. I guess it kind of worked, right? <laughs> it did a hundred percent. It all worked out in the end. That's awesome. So yeah. Keisha, I, I want to get into your podcast and what you're doing with done with uh, debauchery, but I want to get your backstory. I want to know what your BS story was. What was Keisha like before sobriety? Keisha was crazy before sobriety. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So to start at the very beginning, um, I grew up in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I live in Toronto now, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I started kind of experimenting with drugs and alcohol in my teen years, my first time drinking was in junior high. I went to a private Christian school and always felt like I didn't really fit in. There was just always something different. My family also wasn't religious. So okay. it was just different. We didn't go to church on the weekends. I never really felt like I belonged. Yeah. So 
I got drunk around probably like 13, 14 for the first time. And then it wasn't until I switched to a public school for grade nine that Mm. I really started um, experimenting and going down this kind of, I'm going to say 15 year path with drinking alcohol and using substances. Yeah. And it was around the same time that I switched schools that I had a lot going on at home as well. Um, My parents were going through a divorce. There were some traumatic experiences that I was a part of, um, Mm -hmm. kind of family secrets unraveled um, that I found out around that time. (laughs) Yeah, those are hard. It was really hard. And it was kind of these major life-changing moments happened and they were never talked about it again. So I think- It's even harder. It was so hard to be like going through puberty at a new school, like yeah. just going through all this. Yeah. And like my family is wonderful. I love my parents so much, but I've learned over the years that people can kind of only meet you where they are and do the Truth. best with the tools they have at the time. 100%. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So I think that like looking back, I wish that certain things were handled differently. Um, Would it have changed like the outcome in my relationship with alcohol? Who knows? Sure. But there definitely was drinking um, in my household growing up as well. It's not something that really stands out from when I was like a child. But in my teen years, when these uh, experiences started happening, looking back now, I can see that like the one common denominator was alcohol other people's alcohol use Mm. so I feel like I was really like running from the time I was 15 I was angry I was like not understanding like what was happening in my world and I yeah I really for me it was drugs first I would drink drink a little bit but yeah like 15 to I think 18 I was pretty heavy into drugs. Um, my best friends and I were doing like ecstasy at school, like doing cocaine in the bathrooms and going to class. Yeah. Wait, at school? It literally at school. <laughs> like that is the last place you want to be when you're high on like, especially ecstasy. I know, but like- it was just like, it was such a part of my daily routine that I was like, okay, I'm going to go to biology. Like I'm also going to do like ecstasy. It was it was how, a really crazy time. Like, how were you able to even like function? I mean, I don't know that I was. Like, <laughs> I, I guess that wasn't the point, right? Like, yeah, I'm all like, how did you listen to your teachers? Like, that's yeah, I, and point. I did surprisingly well in school. Like in grade twelve, I ended up getting on the honor roll. It was like a surprise at my graduation. So Dead. I don't know what was happening, but. I mean, there, there was even like the first time I did acid was at school and I like went to class on acid. <laughs> oh my I'm God. Now, but like, it was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. it's also like, also when you have people to do that with and like you, you're, you're in the same, you know, mindset, it doesn't <laughs> seem that like out of the norm because everyone else is doing it or like the people closest to you are doing it. Yeah. It was me and my two best friends. One went to a different school and we would meet up after school and like rip it around town, like getting into all sorts of trouble, but it was just kind of like, that's how we were coping. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So what happened after high school? 
So after high school, um, I graduated when I was 17 because my birthday's later in the year. So I was 18 yeah. doing my first year in university in Winnipeg, just wow. got out of a really unhealthy relationship. Um, I also like only dated people that were significantly older than me, like 10 year age gaps when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. So I got out of this horrible relationship and I had signed a modeling contract to come to Toronto for three months wow so, yeah so I packed up and came and yeah. I just never went back to Winnipeg <laughs> <laughs> so I've been here ever since it's been like 12 years now wow yeah that's so cool what a great opportunity it was really good. It was the perfect timing to get me out of this city and these kind of cycles that I was in. Um, yeah. But then moving to Toronto, I kind of gave up this like drug party, like a raver girl lifestyle and sure. got immersed into the Toronto nightlife. So I worked in the service industry for years. Yeah, I did bottle service for years. And that's when my drinking mm. really kind of took over. I was now legal to go to clubs here. And mm -hmm. I I was loving it. Like I thought I was thriving, living this big city lifestyle. It sure. was, I was, yeah, I was just so caught up in like going for dinners, drinks, bottle service. Like that's what I thought that fun was. Yeah. So that went on for years and years. And I was always like the life of the party. I love to drink two tequila shots. Like I was just, it was part of my identity being this like crazy mm. fun girl. Yeah. That I didn't know who I was without it. Yeah. So, what did you What did you get from being that like fun party girl? Everybody just loved to be around me. Like I felt like I was charismatic. I had friends. I yeah it, yeah. I think it just really. I thought it was giving me this confidence boost. And mm -hmm. instead of actually sitting and like realizing why I'm acting out in all these ways and doing these behaviors it was just kind of like layering on like okay no I am loved I am desired I am all these things I can yeah. tell by all these people that want to get drunk with me <laughs> <laughs> keywords want to get drunk with me I know so that's how I formed oh. a lot of relationships how I did meet a lot of my long-term friends which even yeah. now today, now that I'm not drinking, we have bonds and great friendships outside of that. So nice. there were like some positives that came out of being in that industry and in those situations. But yeah, yeah so then I was caught up in that for a really long time. Uh, I also got into the real estate industry, pre-construction real estate. Yeah. And in the industry that I was in was also very centered around going out for dinners, whining and dining, partying. And so it's like, I couldn't escape it. Like my weekends were working in these nightclubs, getting shit faced, partying till three in the morning. Then during yeah. the week, going for dinners, having wine. So it was just this cycle. Right. It wasn't really, I think until like 2019, 2020, when the pandemic hit mm. and I realized I didn't like my job. There were so many things that were, that I felt were going wrong in my life. I was really depressed. I was crying every day, mm. drinking by myself at home that I was like, what is happening in my life? Like, this isn't who I am. I am this happy, charismatic, like lovely person. And yeah, I don't feel like that ever before mm. I felt like that when I was drinking. And now it's like this dark path that I'm going down. Yeah. 
So 2020 was a really hard year. Um, I lost a dear friend, one of my friends from high school. That was one of the people that I partied with. I lost her to her addiction in 2020. And that really like propelled me even further down this, this path of like self-destruction and not being able to cope. Yeah. So from the pandemic, being isolated, it was just like one thing after another that something had to change. I couldn't go on anymore in the same position. Yeah. So it wasn't until like the end of 2020, uh, early 2021 that I tried to do dry January. Yeah. I had tried like a couple of times, like, okay, I'm not going to drink this many drinks tonight. I'll go to this one event and that'll be my time to drink. Mm-hmm. But then I'd be making excuses not to see my friends because really I just wanted to stay home and drink by myself. Mm-hmm. So it took a couple tries. I did dry January. It lasted for three months and I felt wow. great. And during that time, I was in Winnipeg um, visiting family for the pan- like when the pandemic had just started. Yeah. And when I came back to Toronto, I started drinking again. Mm-hmm. Then I saw what got you drinking again. I think it was just really easy to fall back into my, like I went back into my same apartment where I'd been feeling mm. so isolated and my drinking had been escalating. Yeah. And I just fell back into my same routines. Um, I was unclear with what I was doing with my job. So I didn't really have any responsibilities first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. So there was just like really nothing to kind of keep me going or to keep me accountable. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That and makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it felt like it was just part of my life here. Like I drink with my friends, we go to patios. It was starting to be springtime, summer. So it was just like, that's what I do in the summer is get drunk on patios. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I mean. Yes. That's not the only thing to do, but I I see it. I get it. That was what (laughs) I knew kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So not now. That's not what I do now. This summer has been a game changer, but yeah. Yeah, a couple tries of cutting out alcohol for a few months um, Mm -hmm. and then going back to it and just quickly spiraling back into the exact place that I didn't want to be. So February of this year, I had been trying to cut out alcohol again for about two weeks and it was a friend's birthday and she actually shares the same birthday as my friend that passed away. Mm. And so it was like mixed feelings. I really didn't want to go to this birthday because I was feeling emotional. Sure. I knew that if I went, I was probably going to drink and I didn't want that. Yeah. But I went anyways and I drank and I felt really shitty about it. I felt like I disappointed my friend who had passed. Like I just wanted yeah. to mark the day a different way. Mm. And that was the last time I drank. Wow. So it was just kind of like a wake up call that I'm yeah. like, it's not getting better. Nothing is changing. Every time I go back to drinking, I'm feeling the same way in the morning. Yeah. And for me, like for a lot of people, there's not this one moment that is like a huge wake up call. I didn't lose my job. I didn't get a DUI. I wasn't drinking in the morning, but it was this cycle of kind of just feeling terrible about myself, drinking, feeling worse, the anxiety for the next three days, not being able to pursue things that I truly care about. So yeah. And and that's kind of the hardest, like that's kind of the hardest place or position to make changes when nothing is like super over the top dramatic, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's almost 
it's almost kind of obvious shit needs to change when like your life is falling apart. Like say you get like a DUI or like you go to jail or like your kids get taken away from you. Like, okay. Like can't, can't really avoid that. Like a wake up call. Sure. 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 But like in your situation where it's not so like obvious maybe, or it's not so dramatic, like the, the situation isn't so heightened that it's like, okay, so I really just like kind of have to do this. Like, I just have to do this for myself. Right. Like this kind of low level of just like constant kind of like almost draining in the background. Like, you know, when you have like an app open somewhere on your, on your your phone or your computer and you're like, God, what's like taking up so much energy. What's taking. It's like slowly sucking the light. Yes. Slowly draining you, slowly draining you. Yes. It's that's a really tough place to make a change. And I wasn't necessarily drinking that much more than some of my friends or other people in my life. So when I sit and take a tally of, am I an alcoholic? Like that's when you you start Googling online, doing the quizzes. You're like, I don't identify with that, but I still feel like this thing is ruining my life. Dude, totally. Yeah. And I know, and I think that's kind of why like there's, it's either it's very black or white, right? It's like either you can drink normally or you're an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what about in between there? You know, I, I truly believe that sobriety is, is a spectrum. Each and every person has been touched by recovery, whether it's a partner, son, daughter, best friend, work colleague, or yourself personally. Whatever your reason for recovery is, we are all in this together. At A Sober Girl's Guide, our mission is to build awareness, foster a strong community, and give you the tools to change your relationship with alcohol. Soberlink is a remote alcohol monitoring technology created to help provide accountability for people in recovery. The system includes a high-tech breathalyzer device with facial recognition that allows you to share your sobriety in real time with loved ones who can offer support in the event of a slip-up or relapse. Soberlink has helped hundreds of thousands of people document proof of sobriety in real time to help rebuild that trust and foster peace of mind. Soberlink is currently building a strong community of people in recovery. Get inspired and inspire others today by joining the community at www.soberlink.com forward slash ASGG. Right? Like some can, some people can moderate or, you know, we have other, the other side of the, the spectrum where it's like, no, addic- like mm-hmm. physically addictive, dependent, whatever you, you choose to identify as. So how would yeah. you identify your relationship with alcohol? So right now, I think that probably the most accurate term would be Cali sober. So mm-hmm. I don't drink alcohol at all. I have no intention to touch it again. Um, yeah. I don't smoke weed, but I do uh, take edibles sometimes. I'll have a THC drink socially yeah. now and then. But even that, like I'm checking in with myself, like myself sometimes when I'm taking it now. And I'm like, is this really making me feel good? Am I yeah. getting a little more anxiety? So I don't know how long that's going to be a part of my life, but totally. right now, Cali sober. Yeah. Do you use it like to sleep too? Like uh, I have like a gummies CBD or something? oil. Yeah. I have a CBD oil exclusively that has no THC that I take in the evening. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. I love CBD. 
It's so good. Oh, CBD is like my jam. Like I cover my whole body in it sometimes. <laughs> you know, like when you've like run or, or you've like been playing. Yeah. Sport, it's like the best. It's so good. Oh, it just feels so good. Um, that's interesting. I get a lot of questions about like the different, yeah, I mean, different terms that people identify with. And Cali sober is definitely one of them. And I think you're definitely still a sober person if you partake in cannabis. Don't you agree? Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's all about how that relationship fits into your life. Like yeah. I'm not coming home every day and eating an edible or cracking a THC drink and needing sure. that to unwind and relax. Like I just had a cottage weekend this past weekend with a couple girlfriends. So I did bring a THC can and I shared it with a girlfriend during the day and we had a silly fun time, but it's not like it's taking control of my life and it's all I'm thinking about. So for yeah. me, that's, that's the difference. And what about like the aftermath after you drink it, like, or when, when you were compared to drinking alcohol, what were the emotions that you felt when you were drinking alcohol? What was the aftermath or how'd you feel after? I felt the worst I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. Um, I think that I had such a strong self-loathing. It gave me anxiety. Mm. It depleted my self-confidence. Like I thought I was a loser. I'm never going to be able to do anything or accomplish anything. Yeah. I also had, or was struggling with depression and it just like took me deeper and deeper into that hole. And I just believed every negative thought that came into my mind. It's like, that was fact. Totally. Um, do you feel... When you were drinking, did you feel any like shame or regret after drinking? A hundred percent. I would yeah. feel shame, like even just going to like the wine rack or the, the liquor store near me, like yeah. the whole process like was filled with shame. I knew that I shouldn't mm. be doing it and that I didn't want to be doing it, but it was almost like I was on autopilot and it was the only coping mechanism that I really had. So I was like, I'm just going through the motions. Oh. Definitely. I yeah. totally agree with that. But then looking at like, like something like a, like a THC drink, do you have, like, does that shame or regret come into play after you drink it? Or what's the feeling around that? Not at all. I never feel guilty about it. I yeah. think it's because it is something maybe I'm only doing every once in a while. And I think also like alcohol is a depressant. So naturally it's going to be bringing you down and making you feel those ways. Whereas yeah. I don't know if THC is an upper or what it is, but it just, yeah, it's it just a plant. <laughs> yeah. It's just plant medicine, I guess. It just makes yeah. me feel completely different, but there's never any uh, shame or guilt. Like I won't think about it the next day at all. And I wake up still having a restful sleep. I'm not wondering, oh my God, like what text messages did I send? Who hates me today? <laughs> like, yes. what did I do? Oh my so. gosh. Why does alcohol do that? It's like this like demon that takes over our body. Like, okay, everyone's going to hear what I really think about them tonight. Like, here yeah, we go. And then like that feeling in the morning when you open your eyes for the first time and you're like, oh God. Just burn the phone. Just burn it. No, burn it to the ground. Like that makes me feel sick now thinking about that. Oh, <laughs> it is. I mean, it's a sick, it's a sick feeling. Cause you're yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know how people say that like, oh, the truth comes out when, when you're drunk. Mm -hmm. Do you believe that? I don't think so. Like, no, I, I don't think it's, 
It's hard to say yes or no. I think that maybe in some ways, like if you're like making a confession to somebody, like you may spill the beans in some ways, but yeah. the person came out of me when I was drunk was not my true self. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I yeah. think, I think there's like parts of us come out when we're mm-hmm. drunk and yeah. I don't like, I, I'm, I don't categorize them as like good or, or bad parts of us. I think they're just like parts in there that maybe come out in ways that we don't, they don't serve us. Yeah. You know, maybe those feelings and emotions are definitely in there somewhere, but, um, definitely drunk Jessica did not articulate articulate no. those feelings at all it no or horrible. even like hungover Keisha like you oh. I just like could not cope with reality <laughs> in any yes way. you have zero filter and it's like it's just not nice and I already not don't nice. really have a filter like if I think something <laughs> I'm gonna say it so like couple that with like same drinks, it's like the mean filter <laughs> oh <laughs> yes wait yeah. what's your sign Sagittarius. I knew it. I freaking <laughs> knew it. I called that like, okay, you were such a sag, like loose lips. Like, here we go. I'm gonna like it's just yeah. a wicked tongue. <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, you guys definitely let them have it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that's so so funny. So tell me about uh your podcast done with debauchery. How did this come about? Yeah, so I actually started it with one of my girlfriends. Um, We were both going through uh, kind of a similar recalibration with our alcohol and drug use. And we would both kind of use each other as an accountability partner. And then one of us would slip up and we'd joke about it and be like, we'll save that for the podcast. Like, so we were already joking about it before it happened. Yeah. Uh, So then we decided just to do it. Yeah. yeah. So we're like, let's just do it. Let's just try it. It feels so scary to be so vulnerable. Like, it's like, I feel like I can tell any stranger anything about me, but as soon as people like from your life start like coming into it, you're like, Oh no, like back up. <laughs> but we did it yeah. together um, for about 18 episodes. And then she made the decision to go a different way. So yeah. I am now doing it on my own. Nice. And it's really kind of just, we started it without really a clear path of where we wanted to go. So we were doing a little bit more in-depth like research on like adult children of alcoholics mm-hmm. and kind of dry topics. So now sure. it's me, I want to have some fun interviews and just kind of share my journey, what it's like to find sobriety in your thirties, living in Toronto, mm-hmm. navigating the world, relationships, family, all that. And just having kind of like a safe space. There's no judgment. If you're sober, if you're trying to get sober, Cali sober, whatever it is, yeah. and just kind of like journey through personal wellness. That's awesome. I love it. Do you love podcasting? Like it's really fun. I do. I did my first solo episode like last yeah. week by myself and that felt yeah. very daunting. It's a lot easier to sit and have banter and have a conversation, but yeah, I am excited about it. And like, I love the content creation, like on Instagram, like making reels is so fun. Yeah. Oh my God. Your reels are very, very <laughs> cute. I love them. Thank you. Yeah. Great job. Great job. Thank you so so much. where do you see, like, who would be your ideal guest for your podcast? 
So I would love to have you on one day, but I think. Oh, <laughs> okay. Sure. I feel like you're like the sober queen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Thank you. That's so cute. I would yeah. love to be on. Yeah, we definitely have to set that up. Okay. Um, but I do have an interview coming out next week um, with another girl from Toronto. Her name's Sarah. She's got a blog called Some Good Clean Fun. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So just, I love like chatting with other sober women, sober mm-hmm. Canadians, just getting people's perspective. But I also am interested in having people on that may have like different life experiences or perspectives on sobriety, mm-hmm. just to keep the conversation going, because I think it's so interesting and people have such strong opinions. Yes, definitely. Yeah. What is your opinion on, do you think that um, like addiction is a genetic thing or do you think it's like a behavioral issue Mm, I think it can be both like I know that there are there is information saying that there is a gene a hereditary gene that can contribute to addiction but I do think it's a lot of like nurturing like what environment you grew up in what experiences you've been exposed to if there's drinking in your household so not necessarily if a biological parent is an addict or not yeah I so I think that really your environment growing up has such a strong influence on it and the skills yeah. that you develop through that period of time, because like as a teenager, I didn't have any other coping skills, but I knew that I yeah. couldn't be in the reality that I was in. So I was just reaching for anything, whether that be alcohol, drugs, sex, like relationships. So yeah, I think it's a lot to do with, with environment, but yeah. maybe some genetics. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, yeah, I agree with that. I just feel like, you know how people say like, oh, well, my dad was an alcoholic. So that makes sense. I'm like, yeah, but like, let's look at the behavior that alcohol um, promotes. Right. Mm-hmm. And like having a parent who is alcohol dependent, like they're very removed. Yeah. They're a, typically a very um, emotionally um, immature parent. Um, they're just not, they're not conscious. So is it, it's like a, like, is it the chicken or the egg? Like what came Mm -hmm. first, right? Like, is it the alcohol that's doing that? Or is it the actual like behavior and like psychology or like, you know, actions that the parents are exhibiting to a child, you know, because if, if this is such a fantastic book and I literally like just pick it up and read it all the time I I think it's called I'm gonna butcher the title completely here but (laughs) it's it's something along the lines of like surviving emotionally um immature parents oh I've seen that actually it is so so good and because a lot of the times like as children we'll take that on and blame ourselves that our parent is like distant or not able to meet our needs and wants. And we'll take that on as like, shit, like, well, I'm not enough. Like I pissed them off. I did this. Like we, we take it, we internalize it. Right. Um, and so this book definitely, it's not, it's not like a blame game kind of situation. It's not blaming your parents because (laughs) this shit goes far beyond our parents. Right. Even beyond our grandparents. Yeah. And great grandparents like this, this is coming down the line pretty, pretty quick. So it's not blaming anyone. It's actually talking about human behavior and, and you can really, um, 
use it. It really helps in uh, translate into like relationships, like why we, why we pick certain people to be in relationships with, right? Like, why is that attractive? Why is this super distant and emotionally unavailable person like catnip for us? <laughs> yeah, that sounds if really If you can relate to that, I don't know. <laughs> definitely, definitely. I love yeah. books like that. And I'm also in therapy and like, that's yeah. a lot of the same work that I've done with my therapist is just like understanding why people have these certain reactions. It's not about you or what you've done. Not internalize that. Yeah. And like you said, at the very beginning, people can only meet you where you are. Yeah. And that's really painful, but also actually really like empowering and freeing that it it actually isn't about you. It speaks volumes towards them and their capacity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's honestly like lifelong work. I feel like trying oh, to navigate totally. relationships, especially with our families. Mm-hmm. What's your relationship with your family like now? It is good. I have a really close relationship um, with both of my parents. Um, my mom, nice. like we talk frequently. Yeah, I have a little bit of like a complicated family dynamic going on. Um, I have my dad who raised me, who's not yeah. my biological father, um, and that was like one of the family secrets that came out when I was around 15 so I'm kind of doing some discovery now to connect with the biological side on my father's side yeah Um, but with my parents that rate like my mom is my biological mother Uh, I call my dad my dad so we do have a great relationship Um, alcohol is definitely a factor in both of their lives Uh, one more than the other so gotcha (laughs) <laughs> yeah I mean you got to pick your battles kind of right like yeah man acceptance is I mean I think that's the lifelong work yeah <laughs> absolutely acceptance yeah <laughs> Keisha where can people find you on the world wide web so my website is donewithdebauchery.com and you can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at donewithdebauchery. Love it. Amazing. And then like your podcast, basically wherever podcasts are. Yeah, you, you can to get them? to it from the website. Um, it's Perfect. also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. Perfect. And it's just done with debauchery. Love it. Keisha, if you have one piece of advice before we go to anyone listening today, who's thinking about getting sober or who's, you know, going through it in sobriety, what is one piece of advice you would give? It's a hard question because I feel like there's so many like little nuggets of things that help me along the way. But I feel like the number one thing that really made a difference was just getting curious, like really doing your research, Mm. finding a community, like as I feel like it sounds like kind of cheesy to say, but like explore, try different things. Like I tried AA, it wasn't a good fit. I found your podcast and Mm. I resonated with some of the guests that you had on. Not everything is going to speak to you, but keep trying, like follow that gut instinct. If you think that there's something wrong with your relationship with alcohol and you want to change it and Mm. don't give up. Cause it like, it can take some time, but I'm six months alcohol free. And like, honestly, like every day, I can't believe it. (laughs) I love it. Thank you so, so much for sharing your story and your experience with us. I really, really appreciate it. 
Thank you so much for having me. How great is Keisha? As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, leave your feedback, and sharing is caring. Share episodes that are helping you that you think your friends, family, or loved ones could use in their lives. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at A Sober Girl's Guide and the blog. Don't forget to hit up asobergirlsguide.com. We got you locked, stocked, and loaded, so you do not have to be. Head to asobergirlsguide.com where we have workbooks, challenges, our Sober Girl Social Club membership. We have everything you need at every stage of your booze-free journey. We got your back, girl. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.